Hello, and welcome to a very special edition of the Workforce Management Show. In this episode, our experts will discuss insights from the 2021 Gartner Market Guide for Workforce Management Applications, and we'll deep dive on how to make them actionable for your business. I'm your host, Chris Calgren, and I'm thrilled to introduce today's guests, Eric Fjellborg and Steve Levy. Eric is the founder and CEO of Quinix. He wrote the first line of code for Quinix, and this year that platform will see more than 1 million users stretching across the globe logging into Quinix. Great to be here. Great to have you. Steve has over 20 years of experience in the workforce management space. He founded two workforce management companies, companies one task management and one optimized scheduling and led Kronos Consulting in the retail, healthcare, and gaming space for five years. His most recent project was founding an AI voice company before coming to Quinix to lead our sales engineering team for North America. Great to be here as well. A warm welcome to both of you. So we start every episode with some quick warm-up questions where you answer as quickly and briefly as possible. You guys ready? Yep, let's do it. All right, Eric, we're starting with you. Where are you from? Outerbrook, Sweden. All right, Steve. Chicago, Illinois. Steve, when do you enjoy work the most? You know, I enjoy work when there's just great flow, great energy, and we're just bringing out the best in every person. Eric, what makes a good leader? Someone who can set that uh, big vision and actually uh, get everyone in the organization to understand. And what's a key ingredient for you for creating a happy workforce? Yeah, well, I think it's setting a purpose and, and getting everyone in the workforce behind that same purpose. If you can do that, happiness, um, engagement, passion will follow. Steve, same question to you. Yeah, I think it, it's really about um, rewarding people. It's about um, ensuring that um, people are informed, that they're engaged, that they're communicated uh, with and can communicate with other people. Um, it's really about ensuring that they feel a part of the team. Mm -hmm. uh, Drives a lot of happiness. Sense of belonging. Eric, what's your motto in life? That um, anything is possible. But uh, many things might seem impossible before they've been done, but anything is possible. Love that. Steve, same question. Yeah, it's, uh, it's live every day to the fullest. It, it, it is, um, it's shocking how fast the years go by. And um, it's a matter of just taking every day, being present within the moment. Um, I tell my kids, to you know, leave it all out there in the field. Meaning, you know, when you get off the field, give it everything you've got. Um, fight to win, and uh, come off the field tired and hungry and, and ready for the next thing. But that they put all their effort in. Absolutely, Eric. If you were to pick your top three favorite KPIs or metrics, what are they and why? Yeah, well, I've been in workforce management for for many years, so my my favorite metrics would be the the workforce management metrics and. Uh, <laughs> I think one of my favorites would be um, sales per, per man hour, uh, mm -hmm. sales per schedule hour, because it's uh, a metric that is widely used by organizations, including our customers, and it's simple, but it's, it really captures that efficiency of your uh, workforce. So uh, it's an old one, but it still works. And um, the second one would be uh, employee happiness measured by a week, for example. So you would be able to see if things are happening in your business, if people are happy with the work schedule or with the work environment in general on a weekly basis. And uh, the third one would be your uh, daily active users and your monthly active users in your 
employee experience, uh, mobile app, or other types of portals as a measurement to see if your employee experience strategy is really working. Are employees actually logging in and using your tools? Yes, awesome. Very appropriately, WFM metrics, I love it. Uh, Steve, what is your favorite piece of technology? Yeah, so um, I have a lot of technology. So, you know, if you look at my desk, um, I'll have kind of 10 phones uh, there. <laughs> um, I'm not talking on all of them at the same time, yeah, obviously. Hopefully not. Yeah, hopefully not. And, uh, but, you know, I think for me, my favorite type of technology is the one that works, basically. Um, you know, I love technology that is consistent, that always works when you turn it on. Um, if it doesn't work, it's, it's extremely frustrating. And, um, and even recently, I've been collecting some older technology that did work, and some still does. Like, for example, I picked up a recent um, Atari uh, with all those games, Donkey Kong and the rest, about 20 games. And then I also have been picking up a lot of uh, Sony Walkmans, those yellow ones. Yeah. Solid. Oh, it still works now. Still like works. 20 years later, thing works perfectly. The cassette might not, but the Walkman does. Yeah, yeah it's hard to find those cassettes. <laughs> you got to look for them. Yeah. yeah. Eric, same question to you. Uh, what is your favorite piece of technology? Oh, well, I'd actually go with my AirPods Pro. I think they're oh, used yeah. an excellent product. I use them every day, always works. Um, and, and just from a business perspective, and we're going to cover this later, I'd, I'd go with AI. It's just a, a very exciting type of technology that uh, uh, has a big impact. Yes, yes. I'm, I'm excited to talk about that more later. Um, but uh, as a matter of, uh, of etiquette, um, I want to just let everybody know in the audience, uh, during the episode, if you have a question, you can ask it in the questions section. Also, feel free to use the chat function for any comments or thoughts. And we'll get started uh, jumping into question one. Uh, and this one goes to Eric. In your opinion, what is the most important takeaway from the 2021 Gartner Market Guide for Workforce Management Applications if you only had to pick one? Yeah, no, great question. Um, I think, first of all, the Gartner Market Guide this year uh, is, is a very interesting read and it uh, brings um, a lot of important uh, points forward. Um, but if I would pick one, it is probably uh, the highlight that 45% of all companies will use automation uh, to do workforce management in 2025 uh, because that's um, it's a very interesting number because it means that many companies will invest in this over the next couple of years. And, uh, automation of your workforce management is um, easier said than done. It uh, requires a lot of investment, a lot of preparation, uh, and uh, it's going to be exciting to see all these companies uh, going on that journey, and, and hopefully um, at Quinix we'll, we'll be supporting many of them as well. Yes, yeah, it'll be exciting to, for us to be on that journey. Um, Steve, same question to you. Yeah, the report was uh, fantastic. I think that one of the things I saw is that the, the space itself is it's really ripe for disruption. So there are a lot of companies in the space in workforce management. It's very, very popular. Um, there's a lot of investment in workforce management, and that's great for everyone. That makes it, you know, that makes us better having competition. It's a competitive space, and it's an exciting space with um, a lot of different technology coming in. The other thing um, that I'm seeing is that um, companies are looking, who have made a lot of changes to their existing processes, are looking for disruptive technology as well. They themselves have had to change due to COVID, mm -hmm. and they're also looking for very disruptive innovators to uh, implement for workforce management. Yeah, really good point. Eric, 
The guide mentions that workforce management applications can transform business and HR operations by supporting new ways of working. Could you provide some examples of how WFM can transform business and HR operations processes? Sure, and I think just to start off, I would say that in any large-scale uh, blue-collar organization, uh, workforce management is probably the most important HR and operations process there is. It's, mm -hmm. it's at the core of the business. So any change you do in workforce management is going to have a, a potentially a huge impact on how the operation runs. And um, just take one simple uh, feature that's also highlighted in the market guide report is um, shift swapping and shift bidding. It's, it's been around for, for many years. Uh, but as the, the guide highlights, it is really taking off now and you see many, uh, a much bigger adoption of this type of feature. And um, at Quinix, we now see um, quite a high amount of customers who actually don't allocate any employees to the shift, but just schedule open shift and then allow the employees to book themselves when they want to, to work. And this is not only the gig economy companies, but also companies from more traditional industries. And um, if you can be successful in that practice, you save a lot of time for the schedulers mm -hmm. and you increase employee satisfaction because they can actually choose when they uh, want to work. Yeah. So I think that's uh, one interesting angle. Very interesting ang angle. And uh, with these new ways of, of doing this, with these new ways of working um, and how WFM is uniquely positioned to support this, Eric, the guide also mentions that the market is highly fragmented. What does that mean for businesses seeking a new WFM solution? Sure. I mean, if you're out looking for a new solution, um, the fragmentation, of course, means that you have a lot of vendors to review and to select from, and you'll have a mix of both the local uh, vendors and, and then the international ones. So uh, just as the report states, it's important to do your homework properly, to um, you know, do a proper RFP, to evaluate uh, the solutions and what features are important to you. Um, and uh, the fragmentation also means that there's uh, a lot of different types of suppliers. You have the ones coming maybe from the HCM perspective, you have the ones coming from maybe the uh, old time and attendance um, place and, uh, and, and many, many other angles. So it's, it's a space that takes some time to understand. Uh, but we also think it's very interesting to see that I think the, the, the new uh, mix of functionality uh, that is the new workforce management is really emerging. And that is the core workforce management functionalities combined with AI optimization and engagement features. Um, so that's the, the, the key features to keep track of. Yeah, such an important point, and the, it's, that's rapidly evolving in front of our eyes, um, and the innovation in this space is greater than it's ever been. Uh, Steve, Gartner observes that workforce management applications have delivered functions to mitigate the health risks posed by COVID-19, mm -hmm. enabling organizations to safely continue operations. Why are WFM applications, and Quinix in particular, uniquely positioned to help with COVID response? Yeah, that's a great question as well. Um, I mean, workforce management, it touches every single employee, right? So there, there is an opportunity to bring on new processes, new ways of working to enhance that, that fact. And so workforce management in many ways, and this I feel um, strongly about could potentially save lives, if not ensure that people are a lot healthier. And I'll give you some examples of where I see it in workforce management. For example, there is um, 
vaccine, uh, vaccination tracking on the people's vaccination cards, people's negative test results, and so on. So all of those cards, all that data, um, those attachments can go with each person's individual record with um, uh, an employee uh, date or certification date. Um, there's also ways to uh, do contact tracing. So envision that um, person clocks in and you now know in real time who else is working within the physical location. You know which clock they clocked in on. You know um, what department they're working in. And you can see at any time who is actually working, who's in the building, um, when they clocked in, when they clocked out, all of those timestamps and all that, those records are there. Um, I'd also say one of the other areas that's really exciting also is around voice. So if you think about voice, um, Authentication, so the ability to, through your voice by speaking, uh, through AI, the ability to essentially have a voice password, which means that you can now enroll um, and log in just with your voice. So you never have to touch the equipment, you never have to touch any of the systems. It is extremely uh, safe. So clock in for Steve Levy. If you said that exact statement. Clock in for Steve Levy. Couldn't clock in. It's not, not, not going to work. Yeah. It's not going to work right. because. Um, through the AI, uh, it's going to uh, measure the percent uh, accuracy around that. And another area around voice also is voice navigation. So mm -hmm. think about you clock in or you're using a screen and you're able to essentially uh, move that screen, add a comment, change my job, any of that through uh, voice as well. So th those are a few other areas. Um, two or three other really interesting points around COVID. The ability, which Eric stated as well, Shift swapping is so important. Imagine that you have to take care of a loved one who has a COVID or COVID symptoms and you need to quickly um, and accurately be able to just go in seamlessly and swap your shift or give your shift up. You're able to do that uh, within clinics um, and ensure that that information gets disseminated to the right people, that the approvals, the workflows, and the automation that we talked about earlier also is important because that automation automation ensures that that person also is potentially paid correctly if they can't work or maybe um, and after a survey they filled out which is another function they have to leave work for seven or ten days all that back-end functionality in terms of the configuration ensuring they're paid when they can go back to work all that automation is part of workforce management so i could talk yeah. about this for a long time there's so many examples of how um, COVID and workforce management are tightly aligned and how organizations um, could really benefit from that functionality with everything that's going on in the world. Yeah, it's, it's really fun to be in the workforce management space um, while you're seeing WFM being uniquely equipped to handle, with the, handle these problems, right? And right. knowing that you can do something about it. And to your very first point, like being able to actually affect lives, save lives potentially, um, with the use of this technology that we've been using for many, many years. Another example that popped in my mind while you were speaking is our ability to conduct surveys um, and just yeah. understand ahead of time, ahead of a shift, hey, you know, have you been feeling any symptoms, for instance? Yeah. So um, many, many possibilities there. Yeah. yeah, I mean, all right, I'll throw one more at you. Yeah, why not? Just to add on. Yeah. So think about like meetings, like if people go in, people want to shop, right? Yeah. So traditionally, if you had a meeting to go visit like an office building, white collar work, you could do that, but now even within a retail environment, you could set up and book a meeting, which then that person fills out the survey if they have any COVID symptoms and you know when they're coming in. So meetings integrated with workforce management 
as well. So no great topic. Yeah, love it. And I love your passion for it. Um, Eric, on the topic of COVID, businesses around the world are currently struggling with a labor shortage. We all feel this. We all know that it's happening and staff scarcity being a part of that. Um, I know that you strongly believe uh, that it's crucial for businesses to rethink labor management and the employee experience in order to increase staff retention and productivity. And I was wondering if you could help us understand why does WFM help with this? Sure, I mean, first of all, I think it's a, a big wake up call for any large um, employer at this moment in time. We, we just had the, all the hundreds of flights canceled in the US. You have similar situations across um, uh, Europe. And um, what happened is, is just that, you know, during the pandemic, a large portion of this workforce uh, in retail, in hospitality, uh, in transportation, they, they retrain themselves for other jobs, right? Mm -hmm. And uh, they're not gonna come back that quickly. Uh, so I think this problem is here to, um, to stay. It's not gonna be a quick fix, uh, but it's gonna be very important for um, organizations in these industries to work actively uh, to become as attractive as possible as an employer. And there's a lot of different activities needed to achieve that. And um, workforce management is just one, one part of the solution, but an important part. And uh, we've talked about the elements of flexibility already uh, about communication. We also now see uh, the emergence of instant pay, flexible pay. That's mm -hmm. gonna be an important factor. Uh, better onboarding, micro-learning, as you need to onboard a lot of new people. Uh, so there's multiple parts of workforce management that can, uh, that can really be, uh, be helpful. Absolutely. Yeah. And one other that comes to mind is leveraging uh, labor budgeting and um, capacity planning or staffing modeling to understand how many employees do you need to carry and what that does to that employee's experience in, in terms of amplification of their experience at work. I know I'm needed. Um, you don't have too many employees. You don't have too little employees. So another fantastic way you can leverage WFM to help. Uh, Steve, in the guide, Gartner states that organizations with many hourly workers are continuing to invest in WFM applications to transform the employee experience as a part of HCM technology and digital workplace transformation initiatives. WFM and HCM work together, but it is WFM that transforms the employee experience. Why is that? Yeah, so um, HCM, really WFM um, is a part of HCM. So you think of HCM, human capital management is the umbrella where workforce management sits. But workforce management is hyper-focused around um, scheduling optimization, around time tracking, around demand forecasting, around long-term planning, around engagement, right? And these are areas that Workforce management has been focused on for a long time and will continue to be extremely, I would say, hyper-focused on into the future. Yep. Um, and HCM is very focused around payroll, mm -hmm. ensuring people get paid correctly, ensuring also that the HR record is maintained also. And one of the things that was difficult many years ago, I think 10, 15 years back, is the integration between HCM and workforce management. But integration these days between those companies is really table stakes in a sense because um, the, the integration technologies, things like REST APIs and other API um, integrations are very, very easy. In fact, all the, all the systems out there are architected in a way and designed to integrate. Mm -hmm. um, and so, you know, you don't see a lot of workforce management companies adding yeah. on payroll. Um, you don't see any, in right. fact, because payroll is very complicated and sophisticated and that's where HCM is focused on. At the same time, you don't see a lot of HCM companies 
who are able to handle the multi-country, multi-state, tens of thousands of employees and all of those rules um, around time tracking, around scheduling, or around all, all of the optimization and AI mm -hmm. as well. Um, so I think the two always will play nicely together. I think that's what we see. We integrate with HCM on almost every uh, uh, prospect or customer that we have. And, um, and I think that's going to continue. Yep, I agree. And uh, along with this, you know, rapidly evolving space and, and functionality within WFM, Eric, one of the recommendations from Gartner is to plan to migrate any on-premise <laughs> WFM applications to cloud solution solutions rather within the next one to two years so as to gain access to the latest capabilities. Why is that important? And what is your advice to organizations who have not yet migrated? One of the absolute most important points in the, in the report, uh, because um, it puts um, a very clear timetable on you have two years and yep. uh, then you have to be in the cloud. Yep. And, and so many companies um, are still not, uh, shockingly. And, um, you know, the, the part of that quote that I didn't mention was that um, the estimate is 99% of companies are expected to make the switch. So it, time is of the essence for those who haven't. Um, and, and can you speak to me a little bit about some of the advantages that you gain for, uh, with an uncloud um, solution as opposed to an on-prem solution? Yeah, sure. I mean, uh, the scalability, the performance, uh, we all know that. And then I think just the constant upgrades and uh, getting all the new releases. One of the most important points in this report, and uh, if you're not in the cloud now, you have to get started soon. Yep. Yep. Uh, so take note, if you're still on-prem, uh, it's, it's time to move up into the cloud. Um, Steve, another recommendation for Gartner, um, from Gartner rather, is to evaluate the pros and cons of global versus regional deployment strategies to ensure a best fit approach for the organization. Can one solution provide the best of both worlds? In essence, a global solution with regional deployment. What is your opinion on that? Yeah, very good question. And I've, I've been fortunate to work with, you know, companies all over the world through all through Europe and, um, and did a lot of work down in South Africa as well and all through um, the U.S. And what's interesting is there's, there are a lot of consistencies across those different areas. Yes, um, they have different specific pay rules and requirements, for example, like in Germany's, you know, they say if you can... Um, deploy time and attendance and scheduling in Germany, you can deploy it anywhere, or the Nordics, given all the um, kind of unique and uh, in California, right? complex rules, and or California <laughs> right. as well, uh, which is fun to put, uh, lump those three together. Yeah. Um, but I think that the way to look at it is to think about, you know, think uh, globally, um, think um, as well as local and deploy local, meaning that um, my recommendation would be to look at um, global organizations that can handle all of the unique and complex rules locally, whether that's the state of uh, Illinois versus the city of Chicago or San Francisco has different rules in the state of California. It's about being able to uh, take those rules, replicate them through templating and other mechanisms and ensure that you can quickly um, deploy those out to other locations. And I'd say, you know, a few of the other advantages related to this, if you think about working with across five different countries, you'd have five different um, unique uh, country-specific workforce management vendors. That means you have five support contracts, five different implementation teams. You have all those integrations across those five uh, companies 
Um, and then you have to align all the processes as well. How is scheduling conducted? How is time and attendance conducted? How do people uh, finish off their time cards at the end of the week? And so many others. There's hundreds of different processes that go into workforce management as well. So there's so there's a lot of advantages going um, with one global organization that can handle being in many, many um, different countries. Yeah. Uh, repeat for me what you said. It's think globally, um, but deploy regionally. Is yeah. It, yeah. Th- yeah. Think globally and uh, think regional and deploy locally. Think, yeah. yeah. Think yeah. globally, think regionally, deploy locally. That's right. Um, yeah. That's a really smart way of saying that. And I, I like, I like that thought because, you know, you, you have a, usually in an international solution, um, uh, some, somebody who's had to approach the problem and consider all of the possibilities and simplify the build as much as possible or make that build as flexible as possible. Um, and that ultimately benefits your local markets. Right. I mean, so just to add on to that, it's a great point, uh, Chris, because think about, okay, think about multilingual, right? All of the different languages mm-hmm. that have to be built into the system. The system has to be architected to handle those different languages, right? Think about the hosting and where it's, the software is hosted and U.S. versus Europe and all of the specific uh, like GDP, GDRP rules that go into that um, or the California compliance rules, all of that needs to be taken into account. Um, and the last piece I'd mention is just workforce management, especially around the rules related to um, hourly workers, is changing all the time. Mm-hmm. Local areas, city of Chicago can come up with new rules that the state of Illinois doesn't have. So because it's changing all the time, you really want to have that flexibility to be able to quickly resolve any and deploy any of those challenging kind of scenarios so that you, you know companies aren't getting fined and things like that. Yeah, yeah, well said. All right, well, my last question before we open it up to the audience, and I've seen some questions start to come in, which is exciting. Um, we'll get to a lot of those, I hope, um, is a question for Eric. And yep. he, and we've, we've kind of, you've already stated it at the beginning, but it uh, should be said again, by 2025, of large enterprises with hourly paid workers and variable demand for labor will use automation to drive workforce scheduling decisions. I was wondering if you could give us a bit more context on what, quote, automation to drive workforce scheduling decisions, end quote, looks like and why such a large percentage of enterprises will be using this type of automation. Of course, happy, happy to. And uh, automation in workforce management touches... uh, a multitude of different processes. I mean, it starts with uh, capacity planning, strategic planning, demand forecasting. It goes into auto scheduling, uh, auto manning, and uh, a range of other different areas as well. It even touches parts of the simpler, uh, you know, when you do an edit of a shift in the schedule to get the sufficient help from the application that you need and so forth. But um, if you look at um, demand forecasting, that is the part that is most automated uh, today. Um, I would say that most organizations do some form of automation in that area today. And uh, auto scheduling and um, auto selection of people for the shift is the next one to, uh, to follow. And uh, yeah, it's, it's a lot of um, work to get that right, but uh, we're here to help and uh, uh, running uh, many projects in this area currently. Yeah, and, and we'll start to see AI um, you know, in automation, take over more areas of WFM. You mentioned a few there. Um, we'll see more and more um, taken over uh, to help people make smarter decisions, right? Um, and in some case, uh, some cases, the person is still making the decision, um, and they're assisted by the technology. And I, th- I think you mentioned one, which is 
if there's an open shift uh, for bid, uh, it can tell a scheduling manager, Quinix can tell a scheduling manager who is the most capable of filling this shift, start with them, then go to the next one and the next one. So it's really nice to have that um, sort of uh, smart suggestions um, and be able to build that into the, into the software as well. Um, and, and use the big difference today compared to five years ago, which is also pointed out in the report, is the strength of AI. Yeah. The, the, the accuracy that we can get out of the systems today is, is very different compared to five years ago. Yeah, and, and flexible, right? Um, because I think uh, one of the things that is unique to Quinix's AI, at least as I understand it, is our ability to optimize for the needs of the business. And what that means to me is, if I, if I need to optimize for cost, if I really am uh, concerned with my bottom line as opposed to my service level, I can do that. But if I am, am more um, obsessed with my service level and I want higher performance, I can tune the business or the, rather the AI to that business yep. decision, um, which is extremely powerful. So um, AI is here and it's, and it's getting better, um, uh, which is a really exciting thing. I mean, the, the AI, I mean, some of the reasons I think that AI has really come into workforce management also, the automation is one, but it's the combination of, um, you know, extremely powerful computing processes that are available today. It's the um, advent of big data, mm -hmm. and it's all these kind of new algorithms as well. And so the, you know, every, almost every opportunity that I'm talking to prospects today has an element of AI. Maybe that's around the forecasting of data, maybe that's around the assignment of shifts, maybe it's around seniority and other very complex rules. Um, AI touches all of those, and I really think it's gonna, it's going to continue into the future and become a huge part, it already is, but it's gonna be a bigger part of workforce management. Absolutely, yeah, good follow there, Steve, I, love, I like that. Um, now we're going to get to your questions, uh, and I have one here from James. How important do you think offering a product that allows employers to be compliant with wage regulations is for businesses? For example, pay employees correctly based on how many hours they've worked and when they worked them. Yeah, I think um, that type of compliance is um, uh, one of the most important things with, uh, with the solution, actually. So um, compliance is... Um, definitely a top three priority when you do your, your selection. Um, and uh, as I think Steve uh, talked about earlier, to make sure you have that compliance in your selected markets, in your selected industries as well, is uh, very important. Steve, any, uh, anything to add to that? Yeah, I mean, that's, it's, the, it's the agreement, right? It's the contract that an employee has with the employer that they're gonna be paid correctly. It, it's, it, it comes down to, we, you know, one of the first questions I think you asked about was what makes happy employees? And one of them is when they're very engaged, when they're rewarded, but it's also when they're rewarded um, properly. Yeah. And so yeah. ensuring that people are paid correctly, ensuring that the hours are tracked correctly, I mean, that, that has to be there to have a motivated and happy employee, which translate, it translates into better service and happy, happier customers. Yep, table stakes to get that right. Yeah. Uh, this one from Jasper, do you see a future where shifts are offered as a kind of auction or stock market to various prices depending on demand and supply and employees are assigning themselves to the shift which matches themselves the best? Definitely. And um, I think it's already happening. I mean, it's definitely happening in the gig economy uh, companies and um, uh, 
Um, other other companies, I think, will try this out and, and experiment with, with the best possible solution. But um, I think it's backfired to some extent, which I'm sure you've seen with, uh, because the companies doing this today, they have contractors rather than employees. And uh, there's a big debate today in many countries whether they are allowed to call these actually contractors or if they are employees. So mm. I think um, that would be interesting to see how it plays out. And... Uh, this will have to be done, at least in most countries, in partnership with unions, uh, in partnership with employees, to make sure it's a, a fair practice. But um, it will happen, for sure. Yeah, I mean, I think that's a great point, Eric, around, around that. Because the other thing we're seeing also is the employees that are shared between multiple locations. So optimization, think about that AI optimization. If you have a brand with five different locations in a mall within specific geographies, you're able to optimize those shifts and even optimize the time that it takes to get between one location um, or another. And I think where a lot of companies are talking, but you don't see yet um, them taking a lot of action on that is integrating gig um, workers into um, the shifts as well, into the schedules as well. So a lot of times those employees are part-timers or full-timers within one organization, but imagine someone who you know works at a convenience store one day, who works at a retail store the next day, who works at an automobile you know uh, store another automobile store another another day. You know what I mean? So I it's a you know it's a matter of um, that's coming. I think really yeah. more flexibility, and you know it's, I agree with Eric that you already see it within the the gig space, um, which we, who are a lot of our customers. Yeah, yeah, well said. Uh, this one, another one from Jasper. Uh, where do you see the best organizational ownership of WFM? HR, ops, or open, and why? Yeah, we, we see all sorts of different setups um, among our customers, so I think it's difficult to um, to say which which one is best. Um, I would probably say that most often with our customers, it sits under operations uh, and then with strong support from, from HR and, uh, and IT. And I think uh, it, the, the reason we see mostly um, that it sits within operations is, is probably because of the metric-driven uh, approach of workforce management, you know, having the labor standards, having all the metrics set up correctly, and uh, just the operational nature of workforce management. But um, I, I do think it can sit in different, different places. But um, what we know for sure is that both HR operations and IT have to um, collaborate to get a best outcome. Yeah, very, very well said. And very important point for businesses out there wanting to explore a WFM program um, in the first place. Make sure that um, all three parties are connected and uh, speaking the same language and having frequent conversations um, as that's the only way uh, to have a successful launch. Steve, any other comments on that one? No, I think that was perfect, yeah. Okay. Oh, Jesper, you're getting a lot of attention today. Here we go. There are so, <laughs> ma there are so many WFM solutions. Uh, what is your recommendation to secure that we select the best WFM? So I would, um, I would approach it uh, with great preparation to really uh, understand what you're looking for in terms of, uh, you know, what modules are important to your organization, uh, what features are important to you, which geographies, uh, what type of industry, um, and so forth, and then... I would really approach the selection with, you know, country, industry, um, and, and, and then features. But, but definitely uh, look at providers who have experience in, uh, in your specific industry, because um, 
workforce management is very um, uh, industry specific, um, especially if you compare a desk class workforce to office workforce. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, and then I would recommend you know looking looking at a couple of solutions and uh, doing um, a lot of demos to make sure you get the right um, type of solution. I think um, user friendliness and uh, ease of use is increasingly important. So definitely make sure you. Um, you will include that in your evaluation criteria. Yeah, yeah, great point, Eric. I think also, you know, adding on to that, I, always, I see mobility as a big part of what people are looking for. And so you have to think about the vendor that maybe you don't have a secure mobile strategy today. Maybe you only have corporate devices and they're on a limited basis, but th that's a trend that's changing. And um, you're gonna see a lot more mobility. And so having, uh, going with a vendor that has a strong mobile presence, that maybe you're not going to deploy in the first year, maybe even not in the second year, but down the road is important as well because the the workforce management systems are they're very sticky. They get they touch every area of your business. They touch every person in the field in the organization. So it's really important you pick the the best vendor um, that's going to partner with you long term. Yeah, it can't be understated how important that mobile experience is. How important it is to have deep functionality within mobile, because oftentimes what we see is, um, you know, some some competitors or some home-built solutions uh, that just don't have the functionality that is needed to create that stickiness that you're talking about and to have high adoption for the users. Um, so a uh, really good point there. James asks, how important do you believe payroll integration or payroll exports are for WFM solutions? Um, they are um, absolutely essential um, and uh, um, still export formats are, are around of more uh, traditional character but uh, uh, definitely we see these moving towards uh, API based um, as well which is which is good but um, for anyone who's been in workforce management you know you know that a lot of uh, actually logic and um, work is being put into the payroll export format uh, to package the work time in a correct way for uh, that specific payroll system. Uh, and uh, I mean, we have an entire team at Quinix who are only working uh, with payroll files uh, because it's such an important um, element, not only to create new ones, but also to uh, maintain the old ones, uh, to make sure that they are compatible uh, when the payroll systems are upgraded and so forth. So they are very important and they will be very important five years from now as well. Yeah, and we, we also have, you have to think about, we have partnerships with these uh, payroll providers as well. So a lot of the integrations are pre-built through um, automated connectors. So a lot of that work effort, even even a custom uh, file starts with a, a pre-built uh, file that then gets modified versus starting from scratch. Yep, well said. Uh, Adriana asks, why is it so important to be on the cloud? And we touched a little bit on this earlier, um, but it's important to, to restate, especially for those who are considering uh, going from an on-premise solution to a cloud-based solution. Um, oftentimes, we're talking about enterprises who have had workforce management solutions in place for many, many years and now are considering like, oh, I need to get modern with this solution. I need to, uh, I need to go to the cloud. That's one, uh, that's my preamble, but Eric, I would love for you to answer that question. No, sure, I think if you look at the, uh, um, the cloud and how it's emerged for business applications, you might think that, oh, you can have a mobile app, it's web-based, it's, uh, you know, it looks good and so forth, but that's, that's, that's only, let's say, phase one. That's already behind us, right? We've done that now. Yeah. The next phase and the big 
benefit with the cloud is what's going to happen in the next five years. And it's going to be a lot about data and being able to utilize these massive sets of, uh, of data uh, and, and connect this. And the providers who are not a multi-tenant uh, cloud-native solutions, they're not going to be able to keep up with the development uh, tempo and they will not be able to draw the same analytics their AI will not be as, as powerful as the cloud-native uh, providers. So I think you know, we've seen a lot of great things uh, to date, but it's going to be even more exciting in, uh, in the next five years. Awesome. Well, I really, really appreciate you all joining us uh, today for this conversation. Eric, wonderfully, wonderful to have you and be able to speak with you about this topic. Steve, um, as, as we speak almost every day, every week, um, it's wonderful to pick your brain a little bit as well. Um, and again, appreciate all of you joining us. Uh, please don't hesitate to reach out with more questions as you have them. Uh, we're here to, to help. Um, and we also have a pretty fantastic solution that can help you in the future, obviously. Um, so everyone, have a wonderful evening if you're with us uh, in the East uh, and uh, back home in the West. Have a good rest of the day. Thanks so much. Thanks so much.